Hey there, welcome to Not Your Ordinary Girl, a podcast for professionals looking to find their voice, define their brand, and maximize their impact. Episodes are a collection of lessons from real life, interviews with people doing incredible things, tips and tools to get you on your way to realizing your infinite career possibilities. Hey there. So today we're going to be talking about public speaking, giving presentations or talks or presenting in front of your colleagues or strangers, whatever you are responsible for in your workplace. Fear of public speaking, agoraphobia, is something that affects millions and millions of people. And I would argue that probably every person feels this at one point or another. Regardless of how comfortable you get in front of a room, in front of a crowd, I think there's always some level of trepidation or nerves that creep in just before you have to walk out into the spotlight. There are a variety of different ways to look at the way that you're presenting your material to make sure that it's as effective as possible. So for today, I don't really want to talk about the fear of being in front of the room. Let's just take that as a given that most of us feel that at some point or another. What I want to focus on today are some tips that you can easily implement into your planning and execution of your public speaking to make sure that regardless of how nervous you are, your audience is going to get the most out of the message that you're providing so that you can provide the most impact. So that's what I want to talk about today. Like I said, a couple of easy tips. It does take a little bit of advanced planning, a little bit of advanced work, uh, staying on script, if you will, to a certain extent. But for the most part, it's really not rocket science with respect to what needs to be in there. It's just a few easy things that you can consider when you are planning and preparing for your speaking engagement so that even if you get up there and you know you're going to be nervous, you know on some level that your audience is going to take away some really good messaging from the material that you're presenting. So the first thing I want to suggest is understanding who your audience is. This is really important because Depending on where you're speaking, your audience can be anybody from super technical people to children to senior citizens to senior executives to right out of college people, corporate folks, uh, blue collar folks, whatever it may be. You want to be really considerate of who your audience is. And do a little bit of legwork beforehand. If you're going to speak at a different company or you're speaking to a different team or perhaps it's something internal, do a little legwork and find out as much as you can about the group that you're going to be talking to. And the reason this is important is that we hear things from people that are considerate of who we are. If you go to a bunch of artsy type people and speak to them in very technical, very scientific, very linear ways, they're going to struggle because you're just talking at them with your very technical information, whereas they're very creative minded and they process information differently. And if you are aware of that and you adjust your messaging, if you can, to kind of take that into account, perhaps you you reference different things that are important to them and use their specialties or their expertise in some way in the material, 
you will demonstrate to them that one, you're paying attention to who it is you're talking to, two, that you did your homework and you're actually interested in what it is that they do, and three, just a level of respect because you are obviously not necessarily in their same lane, but you are trying to present the material in a manner in which they will find interesting and useful. Now, obviously, you want to make sure to maintain that you're not being too demeaning or degrading. You don't want to talk down to people if it's someone that perhaps you're talking to a younger group or people that are more junior to you. You certainly don't want to be condescending. And vice versa, if you're talking up a level or two to people that are senior to you, you don't want to be perceived as obnoxious in any way because you're being arrogant. So you want to be considerate about how you talk to people. And the more you can integrate what you know about the group into your style and your examples and perhaps your graphics or, or whatever it is that you're using with respect to your style of your slides and your activities, the better off you are because you will engage the people that you're speaking to on a whole new level because you will have established that you respect them and, and their field of expertise. You also want to be careful about language. Again, careful not to be too condescending if you're talking to people that are junior or just out of college and you're, you're forced to perhaps not use lots of big technical jargon. Maybe it's somebody that's outside of your organization and they don't know all the acronyms. You want to make sure that you're spelling those things out. I live in the land of D.C. where everything has an acronym. And it can be very confusing to new people or people outside of our area because they don't understand what it is you're talking to. And you can very quickly alienate somebody. And once they're alienated and they feel left out, then a lot of times they kind of shut down and they just aren't going to absorb the information like they could. So paying attention to your language, to the types of words that you're using, Um, If you're talking to a bunch of scientists, recognize that perhaps you don't know all the science-y language that they do, and you can maybe look up a word or two and try to throw it into your presentation to kind of pay homage to to their science nature, but also don't try to overdo it because you don't want to pander to them. If, If it's not your normal way of speaking, be respectful, but don't overdo it. Also, with respect to language foul language, curse words, slang, that kind of thing. Most times it's most appropriate to just kind of keep that thing to a minimum. If you want to throw something out there because you want to make a point, or perhaps that's just your regular shtick and how you do things. If they know that in advance, then I guess, you know, have at it, have fun with it, and and hopefully they'll be comfortable with it. But again, you also want to be respectful of the fact that you're coming to them as a professional and you want to be professional in your presentation. So the next area is your objective. You should be crystal clear on what your objective is for your presentation. You should know exactly what your main messages that you want for your audience. You want to know clearly what it is you want them to get out of your time with them. Should it be 15 minutes, 45 minutes, two hours, however long you have, you want to know exactly what your ultimate objective is for the end of your time there. The clearer you can be on that, the easier it will be for you to build your slides and your materials if there's handouts or any activities that you're doing as well as what your talking points are going to be. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute with tip number four. Number three is considering your timing. And what I mean by this is 
I can't tell you how many presentations I went to where people put so much information on a slide. And I understand in certain industries, maybe finance, maybe science, you need to have smaller charts and whatnot so that you can put a lot of data up there or give examples. But bear in mind that depending on how large your group is, people are not gonna be able to see very far away. And there's only so big you can blow some of these slides up. And if you are packing every slide you have with 15, 20 bullets, just so that you can get all your information in, chances are you are not going to be able to talk to all of that. I think the rule of thumb right now from based on my research is that each topic area that you wanna discuss, they say plan for about 15 minutes. So if you have a 45 minute speech, figure you can hit three key topics and that's it. Obviously there's your subtopics and your supporting information that you're going to provide, but if you're looking to give a presentation on 10 major things you wanna talk about in 45 minutes, think that you are going to have very little time to provide any kind of substance about those topics. And perhaps it's okay to just talk about things at a very high level. If it's something where you're just reporting out and you just have to give the highlights of something, perhaps that's okay. But if you're educating a group on a topic area or you are briefing them on something that is new to them or they know very little about, be considerate of how much time you have and how much you're really throwing at them. I love that phrase of drinking from a fire hose, right? And it applies to so many different areas. And an audience can very quickly feel like that if you're zipping through slides at a light speed and they cannot keep up because you've got to get through your material and you have 60 slides and you have 40 minutes to do it and then you still want to take questions, you may overwhelm them and either you won't get any questions or you get to that question period and you have tons of questions that you can't possibly answer because They're basically letting you know, hey, we didn't understand what you were telling us. I'm not saying that you shouldn't get questions. Questions are great, but they should be clarification on information that you provided. It shouldn't be for you to present the material that you didn't get to in that time frame. So be very cognizant of how much time you have and what exactly you want to present. And in this next topic, which is plan your content, This kind of takes into account both your objective and your timing. So when you're thinking about your timing and you're thinking about what it is you want to get out of the the segment that you're providing to everybody, plan your content out. I'm a big fan of drawing a diagram or writing an outline. I'm very visual and I like my pencil and paper. And for me, typically what I like to do is draw an outline of exactly what material I want to cover. And I'm old school, you know, the Roman numeral one, then the the letter A, B, C, and then the small letters and the small numbers. I I like that format. That's what I, we used to do it in in grade school and high school. And I really kind of gravitate towards that. It helps me organize my thoughts and I can subcategorize everything. So I map all of that out in my outline and then I draw it out in a diagram. And the reason I suggest a diagram and how it works for me is that again, in a very visual manner on a piece of paper, I can kind of see how the different topics can lead to different things. Kind of like a a tree chart, if you will. And it's very easy sometimes to be talking about things and suddenly you're back up at a previous topic or it's natural to jump ahead to three topics down or you wander off on a side tangent. 
I have to be very purposeful about my topics, particularly if you've been listening to my podcast for a while. I'm sure it happens from week to week. I know when I do my editing, I found that I, I, I still do this despite my organization and my charts. I can wander. I am totally of the mind of squirrel. I wander off and next thing you know, I'm talking about the weather, kind of like I am right now, right? We've moved to a side topic here. So I have to outline and then diagram exactly what it is and figure out all of the different ways things can go. And by doing that, one, it prepares me in my head because I know kind of the pitfalls of where I'm going to get sucked into something as a sidebar. And Otherwise, I can also use it as examples. So if I know that this is going to become a a sidebar, I can say, okay, wait, this fits into what the message is I'm trying to get across. It fits into my overall objective, and it's going to provide me a really good example or a really good sidebar that I can tie in here. But where exactly is it the best place to fit into my presentation? And how will I make it productive so that it doesn't feel like and sound like I've just wandered off into a side tangent? So drawing that diagram for me kind of gives me a visual idea of where I can go from here to there to there. And quite frankly, when I present, I don't like to use notes. I don't like to use note cards. I don't like to have writing in front of me because I am not good at reading information to people. I have to just speak out of my head, speak what I understand, speak what I know, speak what I'm thinking, kind of roll with what I've practiced, what I've thought about before, what I've planned, but I I don't convert well. Some people are very good at reading from a paper and they can look engaging. They can sound like they're not necessarily reading. I know that that is not how I effectively communicate when I'm speaking aloud. So I kind of have to go with what I've planned. And the nice thing about a diagram is I can have that. It's just a picture on a piece of paper, right, that I've drawn. And I can have that on my podium or I can have that in my hand if I need to look down. It's a really quick reference point so that I can see the note or the picture or whatever I drew. And it instantly brings me back to where I'm supposed to be without me getting drawn into reading something on the paper, which I find very distracting. And then I I lose my place and then I you know then you get a hiccup and it's oh gosh where was I what am I going to do and then I get off track and you're it's almost like your momentum gets broken and it 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 messes with your with your messaging so for me I find the the diagram very helpful if you are one of those people that really prefers to have a lot of words, have your phrases, have your definitions, have whatever it is you need to have, then perhaps you create bullet points and create pages. You know, for the first three slides, here's your bullets. For the next three slides, however it works. But I would recommend, at a minimum, you do some kind of an outline and understand exactly what it is that you're trying to get across and your timing. And you might put some milestones in there too, because again, at least for me, it's very easy for me to wander off and keep talking. And next thing you know, I'm down to three minutes left and I still have 10 slides because I've been talking and talking and talking and I'm not paying attention to my time. If you are lucky, you'll have somebody there that can kind of give you hand signals or throw up a card in the back of the room and say, hey, 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in. That's my favorite way to present because I really rely on that to make sure that I'm staying with pace of what it is that I want to present. But I put that in my little diagram so that I know, okay, I get through three, these four squares and I should be at 15 minutes because that was my first 
topic area. I get through these next three squares and I should be at 30 minutes. So if I'm not tracking with that timing, then I know I need to pick up the pace or I need to slow it down and perhaps not be talking so fast, which I know also happens to me sometimes when I get excited. So it just kind of helps your whole presentation feel a little bit more fluid and natural and flowing. So the next area is using examples or anecdotes. This kind of ties back into the who's your audience in the beginning. The more anecdotes or examples you can provide that have some kind of a tie back to who your audience is, the better. Because if you're giving basketball analogies to super sciencey people that have no interest in sports, they're not going to understand what kind of analogies you're talking about. They're just not going to get it. There's probably some in the room that will, but you never know. And it could be that there's a lot of them just looking at you saying, you think we watch basketball? We don't have time for basketball. We spend a lot of time in a lab. And that's a terrible generalization. And I'm just using that as an example. I know lots of scientists that like sports, but there are different examples and different anecdotes that you can use for different groups of people. If you are talking to young professionals right out of college, perhaps you draw on that recent college experience to provide examples. Provide experiences from your college time. Provide examples of of your kids' college experience. Talk about professors. Talk about whatever it may be, but you're tying that in and bringing a relevance to the material that you're talking about that they can understand. Again, being considerate that you don't want to be condescending. You don't want to be obnoxious about it, and you certainly don't want to talk down to people. The idea is to talk about things they're interested in. It. It's not a matter of talking about things that you think they're smart enough to handle. You're talking about things that they will find interesting. Because if people are interested, they pay attention and they retain and they learn. If they're not interested, they're bored. They may pick up some things just by accident, but for the most part, most of it will be gone in the, in a couple of hours or a couple of days because it just wasn't that interesting to them. And unless they absolutely have to know it from a work standpoint, they're probably just going to forget it. And you will have a much bigger impact. You will be much more memorable if you're talking about things that they find interesting. The last area is asking for feedback and trying to get engagement from your audience. And what I mean by that is making sure that your audience is engaged It's very easy to talk at a group of people. Sometimes you see nodding heads, you're looking around, you're seeing that they're they're engaged, then you get to the Q&A section and, and a couple people ask questions. But the best way to really draw an audience into your presentation, so it's more of a a living organism, if you will, for a clunky reference there. But the best way to do that is to really engage them throughout your presentation. So when you're doing your content planning and you're doing your outline and you're thinking of your examples or your anecdotes, try to find ways to plant questions along the way. Okay. I like polling questions. So questions where you have to say, give me a show of hands if you X, Y, and Z. All of those who do this stand up. If there's anybody that is experiencing this, please raise your hand. By a show of applause, how many people experienced this? Do you see? Because that forces people to have to participate. Not in an, an obstructive way. It's welcoming them to participate. And because you're asking the whole group, 
If you ask questions that you're sure to get multiple people, that's better because often people are afraid to be the outlier. So if you're looking for somebody to single themselves out, that's going to be a little bit more tricky. But if you're asking a question that you know half of the audience is experiencing this challenge or this this whatever it may be, and they're all going to raise their hand... This is going to do a couple things for you. One, it's going to demonstrate to everybody in the room that other people are paying attention, right? It's going to demonstrate and reaffirm to you that people are paying attention because they heard your question and they responded to it. People are going to look around the room and perhaps it's something that no one realized other people were experiencing or feeling or thinking or hearing or learning. And they'll see, oh, hey, I'm not the only person. And perhaps if they're on the other side that's not experiencing it, whatever it is you're asking, they may look around and say, hmm, why didn't I feel this? Or why haven't I seen this or done this? So it brings the level of engagement up so that there's awareness throughout the group of what it is you're talking about. It's instant feedback for you that you are hitting the mark with your audience because people are participating. They're not all snoozing in the back. And you can also use that information as you go forward in your presentation. Let's say you're talking about understanding new regulations in an organization, and you want to know who has heard about this new regulation that is one of the things you're talking about or you're going to be talking about later on in your presentation. And you put to the audience, hey, how many of you have heard about regulation 472.9 and then whatever the title of it may be? If you get crickets you know two things. One, either no one's heard of this, and this is totally brand new information. Two, everybody's bored stiff because you're talking about regulations and they've zoned you out. You can work with both those answers, right? One, you need to kind of gin up some energy in that room. And two, you need to tell them about this regulation because if it's something that you're talking about, you can say, hey, all right, Nobody knows about this. You know why? That's why they brought me here to talk about it. I'm going to tell you why it's important and what it means to you. Regulation of some sort was probably not a good example, but there's a book on my shelf that had regulations, and that was the first thing that popped into my mind. I think that if you can kind of make that sexy or make that entertaining or find some way to work that into your presentation and get a chuckle from everybody that everybody was yawning through your question about regulations, then now you've softened up the room a little bit, right? Everybody's awake, everybody's laughing, and they're ready to take on this information, probably pretty dry information that you're going to provide, and make it interesting to them. And then maybe you ask a follow-on question a little bit later having to do with that right? See what I've done now? I've tied it from your answer that you've gotten and the feedback you've gotten from the first question, and you can adjust your next question. Getting feedback from your audience is very helpful on so many levels. And the more you can roll with it in your presentation and reincorporate that information back in to future questions that you're going to ask them or future examples you're going to provide them or even just side quips that you make through your your presentation, the better. It also provides you with some material, right? If you are talking about a topic that is really dry like regulations or something that you're not super familiar with, maybe you're covering for somebody in a presentation and you're really just trying to wing it and you have all the material written down, but you don't have a whole lot of anecdotal information and it's it's dry information and, and you're just not sure how to make it super interesting, getting feedback from your audience can kind of put you on a roll to 
kind of give and take with them on lightening up the topic. And you can always say, you know, hey, I've, I know very little about regulations. I read all about this one last night so that I could come and teach you about it. Obviously, a lot of this does depend on your audience and the type of speaking that you're doing. I keep using regulations because we started with that. Um, you do want to be careful about going there and making it sound like you have no idea what you're doing and no authority because that might not help you out. I know I've, I've given the example before of the presentation that I covered for a colleague years ago on a super sciencey topic, and I was pinch hitting there. So I was completely transparent and said, I know nothing about this. I've seen him give the talk multiple times. I have his notes here. I'm going to try and do the best I can with you from a layperson's perspective. But any super sciencey questions are going to have to be emailed and someone else will have to get back to you because I just don't know. And in that situation, perfectly acceptable, right? I was covering. It, nobody expected me to be the PhD chemist because that's just not me. I was just helping out so that it wasn't an empty, empty podium for that segment of the conference. That's all. You just kind of have to roll with it. So depending on your audience, depending on the situation, again, if you're asking questions and you're, you're engaging your audience by things where they are forced to be interactive, you can really leverage that information as you go forward with your presentation. You can certainly ask open-ended questions, things that people aren't going to necessarily have to answer if you're more comfortable with that, depending again on your audience, but I'm a big fan of forcing them to have to raise their hand or forcing them to stand up. Stand up is a great one if you are presenting for a long period of time. I've done briefings where there are two hours and you always take like the obligatory bio break about halfway through, but even halfway through a two-hour presentation, even if you got a short break, you're still bored stiff by the time you're nearing the end, right? No matter what the topic is, you're just tired of sitting. So it's always a good idea to get people out of their chair, have them stand up, say all of those people that are on this program or interested in that or understanding this, stand up. You do get some people that hem and haw and complain, oh, you want me to stand up now? I'm here, blah, 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 whatever. The people that stand up, they will thank you for it because they're tired of sitting down and most people look forward to that opportunity to stand up for a minute and sit back down. So when you're planning your flow, if you will, or planning your, your diagram and your outline for your presentation, try to see if you can't work some questions in. Have a few extras. You never know when they might come in handy. If you have a particularly fluid group where everybody's really interacting and the energy in the room is really good, throw out a couple extra questions. Instead of talking to them your bullet points, ask them some of your bullet points. Ask them to give you some of your examples. If one of your slides has some bullet points where you're going to ask for three examples of something, instead of offering up your examples, ask the audience for their examples. Give me three examples of whatever your topic area is. Have them give the presentation back to you. Because again, it's interactive and, and when people are engaging, people are absorbing. When people are staring off into space and just listening to you drone on, they're not necessarily absorbing as much as they could be. There may be some that do, but the majority of people are probably just thinking about their grocery list thinking about their commute home, thinking about their kids, thinking about taking the dog out, whatever it is, thinking about bills, they're, they're not fully engaged. And if you want to have a serious impact with the material you're providing and you want them to come away saying, you know what, that was a really great presentation. You did a really good job with that material. I really learned a lot. 
If you want to hear positive feedback like that, the more engaged you can get your audience, the better. So just to recap, the six that we talked about are who's your audience, make sure that you know who your audience is, and develop your material around that. Take that into account. Number two, what is your objective? Make sure you know exactly what it is you want them to get out of this. Number three, considering your timing. Try not to put too much in too short a period of time. Number four, plan your content. Do an outline, a diagram, bullets, whatever works for you. Number five, use examples and anecdotes, preferably ones that will speak to your audience, that will take into account their interests, their background, their field of work, whatever it may be. And number six, ask for feedback from your audience and get them engaged throughout your presentation, not just at the end in the Q&A session. I wish you all the best in your next presentation. Drop me a line at notyourordinarygirl.com. I'd love to hear about your, your presentations and anything that you do to make them really stand out. Have a great day. All right. So thanks for tuning in to Not Your Ordinary Girl. I hope you enjoyed it. Head on over to notyourordinarygirl.com and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Feel free to drop me a note with any topics you'd like to hear about or feedback, and please go ahead and recommend it to your friends. Until next time, remember to always stand up and be confident, stand by all that you do and say with integrity, and stand out, because after all, there's only one.